Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, this morning, I'm really, really excited um, because we have a special guest speaker that's going to be preaching or teaching this Mother's Day sermon um, Trish Moya is the, the wife of Gabe Moya. Many of you know Gabe. He is our congregational care pastor. Um, prior to that, he and I were colleagues, and along with Trish in campus ministry, as I was serving at a university in, in New Jersey, and he and his wife, or he and Trish, were serving as campus pastors in the Midwest. And so um, Trish is someone that's very near and dear to City Church. Trish is a wife. She's a mother of two children, uh, one of whom, Elise, will be getting married in under a month, so she'll be gaining another son. And uh, she's been a teacher. She's an uh, educator extraordinaire, which you're going to learn through her sermon. And now she's worked her rank way up in the ranks of, in the public educational system to where now she's an assistant principal. So let's give Trish Moy a warm City Church welcome as she comes to bring the message. you. Well, I'm excited to be with you today and to have the opportunity to share with you about one of my most favorite things, and that is being a mom. Uh, I've titled today's message, Treasure Up. We're going to learn from Mary's choice to treasure things up in her heart. And here's a little bit of a roadmap of where we'll be going today. I'm going to start with a little bit of family background. I'll tell you a little bit about my mom and how she impacted my experience of motherhood. And then we'll look at a couple of moments from Mary's life as a mother in Luke 2 in order to understand what scripture means by treasure up. We'll talk about a few things that we can bring as moms to our interactions with our children. And then we'll talk about one specific thing that God brings to the equation. So, I thought the best place to start would be to introduce you to my family. And so, Pete has already introduced Gabe, my husband. Um, but here is a picture of all of us at Christmas. And our son, Seth, is in the back row. Our daughter, Elise, is to my right, your left. And her fiance, Jack, who will be uh, an official member of our family in June, uh, is on the end there. So, uh, my family brings me great joy, and so I have a tissue ready. There may be a couple of tears, so just be prepared. <laughs> Bear with me. All right, so I can't talk about motherhood without going back to the very beginning, and that means telling you a little bit about my amazing mom and the way that God created our family. After having two children with very serious health conditions, my parents were told that they should not have any more biological children. So they began the process of adoption, and three years later, they got me. So that's a long story, but basically, um, God miraculously knit our hearts together. It was his plan from long ago to bring me into uh, our family. And the fun part of the story, I don't know if you can tell from the picture, but we look a lot alike. 
random people would walk up to us every time we went to the mall or we went out together. Literally, who stops you and says, wow, you look a lot like your mom? That would happen to us all the time. And my mom just loved telling the story, you know, surprising them and saying, actually, she's adopted, so God brought us together. That was um, just a really sweet part of our relationship. And I wanted to start with that aspect of my relationship with my mom because I want to acknowledge from the very beginning that every one of us have different stories about what our relationship was like with our parents and what our relationship was like with our children. Mother's Day can be a very emotional day for us for a variety of reasons. So today I want to spend some time reflecting on some scriptural passages that have been encouraging and supportive for me in my journey. The first one of these truths comes from Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5, which is one of my core life verses because it shows us God's heart for creating families. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to stand and read it with me. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. Thank you. You may be seated. I just wanna capture a couple of truths from this verse. Long ago, before he made the world, before he thought about creating mountains and rivers and trees and all of that, what was his plan? His plan was for you to be adopted into his family, for me to be adopted into his family. I love the fact that it says his unchanging plan and that that plan brings him great pleasure. That has been a transformational truth in my life as an adopted daughter. And I've been blessed with a lot of joy in my family. Here's a picture of my mom teaching our kids how to make her famous dinner rolls. I don't know if you have family traditions like that, but you don't mess with dinner rolls when it comes to family holidays at our house. So often, life is easy and fun and joyful, and you treasure those moments. You celebrate them, right? But sometimes, as moms, we are uncertain about how to respond to our children, trying our best to figure out how to meet their needs or support them in their struggles. That has certainly been true for me and was also true for Mary as we take a look at a couple of moments in her experience as a mom. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke 2, where we're going to dive in for a little while. As I was reading and praying in preparation for what to focus on in this message, I was drawn to Mary's response of treasuring up all these things in her heart. Because it actually happens twice in Luke 2, where this same phrase occurs. Mary responds in the same way. However, it means two different things in each of these situations. And so it made me wonder, what's going on here? What does treasuring up actually mean? And why does Mary keep doing it? 
Should I be doing it more often? <laughs> so I wanted to learn a little more about it. And as I dug deeper into Luke 2, what we see is that this response of treasuring things up happens at two very different phases of Mary's life as a mother. The first happens when Jesus is a newborn, and the second happens when Jesus is 12. So let's take a look at the first context when Mary treasures up all of these things in her heart in Luke 2.19. If we go back just a little bit to Luke 2, 8, to set the stage, we see that Jesus has just been born, and a multitude of angels appeared to some shepherds, announcing glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. After going to see Jesus, they begin to tell everyone what they've been told by the angels. Picking up in verse 18, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. The Greek word that's translated as treasured up in this context is soon tereo, which means to keep together for the purpose of keeping something from perishing. There's actually a connotation of maintaining physical safety here. This is the same word that's used again in Mark 6, verse 20, when Herod kept John the Baptist in prison for a little while, he was actually keeping him safe because he valued his teaching. That's treasuring up. He treasured him up by keeping him physically safe. So picture Mary, right, holding her newborn son in her arms, trying desperately not to be overwhelmed by these incredible circumstances that she finds herself in. She just had a baby that was conceived of the Holy Spirit. She's probably very afraid of how society is going to treat her and her son. Shepherds just came running in and announced that there was a whole host of angels outside announcing her son's birth to everyone, right? There's a lot going on. So in this context of overwhelming life circumstances, Mary treasures up all these things in her heart. You get this picture of her like weathering the storm. She's not sure when the next wave is gonna come. All right, let's shift now to the second time that we see this phrase happen in Luke 2. Fast forward to when Jesus is 12 in Luke 2, 41. The whole family has been in Jerusalem for Passover, and now it's time to head home to Nazareth. When Jesus doesn't show up for dinner that night, they realize that he's not actually with them. And they turn around, head back to Jerusalem, and it takes three days for them to find Jesus in the temple with the religious teachers discussing deep questions. We pick up the story in verse 46. His parents didn't know what to think. And here's Mary. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. Do you hear Mary? She's full on right here, right? It's been three days. Have you ever lost sight of your child for even 30 seconds in a mall at an amusement park? It is sheer panic. I cannot even imagine what she's feeling inside after three days of not knowing where he is. And to make it worse, how does Jesus respond? Oh, sorry, mom, sorry. No. Why were you searching for me? 
You should have known that I would be in my father's house. But they didn't understand what he meant. Clearly, I would not have understood either. (laughs) What do you say or do as a mom in that moment? Well, sadly, scripture doesn't tell us what she said immediately in that moment, but it does tell us that they returned home to Nazareth, and what did she do? She treasured up all these things in her heart. However, the Greek word used here is very different. It's diatereo, which is also translated as treasured up, but this treasured up is very different. The root word here means to keep carefully to ensure a good final outcome. It's a very different feel. It has more of a feel of like guardrails or banks on a river. This same verb is used again in Acts 15.29 where the apostles write a letter to some new Gentile believers and tell them to avoid things like eating food that's been offered to idols. They're basically saying, make good choices, right? Stay within the guardrails, and things will go well for you. There will be a good final outcome. So I find it interesting that this shift in language that happens in Luke 2 aligns with the shift in Mary's role as a mother, right? She goes from here to here in her relationship with Jesus. In a context where Jesus is beginning to follow God for himself, uh, Mary senses this and shifts her response. She offered something very different to that experience of being Jesus' mother than she did when he was a baby. So I'd like to unpack for us one possible way to frame Mary's second example of treasuring up. Our focus this year as a church family is on the kingdom of God. And I think as moms, we have to be intentional about what we bring to our interactions with our children so that God can use these interactions to build his kingdom values in their hearts. I have a book titled Watch for the Light, which I highly recommend. I often read during the Advent season. And in it, Loretta Ross Gada, a Presbyterian clergywoman, has an essay where she talks about what Mary brings to her relationship with Jesus. She says, the wise men had their gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mary offered only space, love, belief. I love that. In the end, when all other human gifts have met their inevitable limitation, It is the bold virgin with a heart in love with God who makes a sanctuary of her life, who delivers Christ, who then delivers us. Mary made a sanctuary of her life so that God could use the space of her motherhood to accomplish his purposes in Jesus. So I thought I would share one example of how my mom brought space, love, and belief into a transformative moment in my life. So when I was in high school, my parents bought me clearly the coolest car that you could ever have, a bright orange Datsun B210 hatchback, right? And to set the scene, it's Christmas time, my sophomore year, and Mattel has just come out with the super cool new electronic football game, right? Dee 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 dee, right? Anybody with me? So um, my boyfriend at the time comes over, we grab the new electronic football game, and we take off. 
And instead of paying attention to the road, I think this would be a great time to show my now incredibly irrelevant boyfriend what it looks like to play this game, right? So I'm leaning over and I'm saying, no, no, you do this. Well, you know what's coming, right? I miss the corner, drive up the embankment, and the car crashes over on its top. We're fine. Nobody, nobody got hurt or anything. We're hanging upside down from our seatbelts. <laughs> Right? And so the next 15 minutes of having to go home and tell my mom what I've done is sheer torture. But how did she respond? Right? I brought some pretty terrible things to that moment. And what she gave me, she hugged me, we cried, she grabbed our hands, we made a circle, and we prayed. In that moment, she created space in my heart for God to build kingdom values in me. By offering me space, she modeled for me what it looks like to extend mercy, undeserved kindness and forgiveness. She's saying there's space in our relationship for you to bump up against the guardrails and you're gonna be just fine. By offering me love, she's communicating to me that love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. By offering me belief, she's demonstrating that she has faith that I will learn from this experience and grow in wisdom with God's help. She didn't need to give me a lecture. I was already feeling badly enough myself. And by giving me that space, she let God do his work in my heart. And it was really transformative for me. So here's where we're gonna take a look at the part that God brings to this equation. And that is his creative power of doing this work. In a book, another book I have called Following the Call, Living the Sermon on the Mount Together, German Reformed theologian Jürgen Moltmann has an essay in a chapter titled Perfect Love. And in his essay he asks, but in what does God's perfection consist? It lies in the love which is long-suffering, patient and kind, which bears no grudge, endures all things, believes all things, hopes all things. God loves his enemies, blesses them, does good to them, and does not set evil against evil. That is his perfection. His uniqueness is the unfathomably creative power of his love. And his spirit disarms us when we want to be the enemies of other people. We become creative. We can no longer repay evil for evil. We escape from the vicious circle of mutual deterrence and we follow another law, the law of the creative God. Now moms, this is the critical bit, right? That's what my mom did. When I crashed that car, I gave my mom selfishness, immaturity, massive fiscal irresponsibility, right? And did she give me evil for evil? No. She gave me space, love, and belief. She gave me a moment for God to use to create kingdom values in my heart. And that's why I'm telling you this story today, because it was a hugely transformative moment in my life as a human being and as a mom. It has been a guide for me. 
She used her life as a sanctuary for God to do his work. So what has this process looked like in my relationships with my own kids? Well, this is our girl, Elise, and one of my favorite things about her is that she lives life with her whole heart at all times. She's graduating from Virginia Tech in one week with a degree in graphic design. And I chose the last picture to share with you. She's in Turkey in this picture, sipping tea, because I also want to be honest about the fact that being this sanctuary of space, love, and belief isn't always easy, right? It's not always our first go-to response. And I just happened to have a story to share with you as an example. Last spring, uh, in the middle of the pandemic, and also in the middle of Turkey managing an influx of refugees from the Syrian civil war, Elise announced to us that she felt that God was calling her to go on a three-week mission trip to Turkey. So just to clarify, I've always had a heart for international missions. That wasn't the issue. But there were two things that were the issue. First, uh, two years ago, she was diagnosed with two autoimmune diseases. And so she's at the highest risk of having a serious response if she gets COVID and not being able to get it turned around, okay? The second thing that was happening was that the State Department had put Turkey on the level four do not travel list, <laughs> okay? So I thought I had two pretty good reasons for being concerned in this situation. However, what happened was I started to realize that my response to her about this was starting to damage our relationship. And when I would come to the Lord and pray, I would just hear him saying, you're doing this, and you gotta do this, right? There are those moments where we've got to let go. We have to give our kids the space, love, and belief they need for God to do his work and for them to follow his call in their life. And of course, it turned out to be an amazing experience. She touched many hearts in Turkey. Her heart was wonderfully touched, so learning experience for mom. And now, a little bit about what it looks like in my relationship with our son, Seth. So um, from a very young age, Seth has had a compassionate soul that has blessed me and just been an amazing gift. And I've had to give him space in a very different way. As you can see, he is a child who has always had to find his own limits. He's always jumping across rocks or jumping off rocks or climbing on rocks or why were there always rocks involved? It was always dangerous, everything that he was doing. Um, so I had to learn to, to give him that space. Um, but by giving him that space, it helped strengthen our relationship. So one of my favorite stories uh, is one day, he was living in Colorado at the time, of course, because there's tons of giant mountains and rocks. And I get the FaceTime call, which is very rare. He does not FaceTime me very often, but I, I get a FaceTime call from him, and so I swipe and open. He goes, hey, Mom, look where I am. <laughs> and he turns the camera around. He is hanging off of a sheer rock face called Flat Irons in Boulder, Colorado, by a rope. He's got one rope 
connecting him to this giant rock face. So the reason that's my fa favorite story is because he knew that, yeah, it was a scary moment for me, but he also knew that there was enough space in our relationship, right? That I knew how happy he was in that moment, and he wanted to share that with me, all right? That was a positive outcome of giving him space, love, and belief. And so our goal, you know, we're, our goal is to follow Mary's example with Jesus and what my mom did with me and what I've tried to do with our kids and then to see that in your children's life, right? As Moltmann said, for us to teach our children to not repay evil for evil, to teach our children to be children who fight against the pattern of the world and bring kingdom values, bring space into their relationships to bring those kingdom values. And he had an opportunity to do that, actually, his, uh, one, during one of his years in college. He had a friend who was going through a really difficult time. And instead of pulling back like a lot of friends would have, he pressed in. And he stayed with him day after day, month after month, together living life by giving his friend the space and the safety that he needed in that relationship to find healing. And I was so proud of him and recognizing that he was bringing that space and allowing God to do that work. So remember at the beginning of our time together, we read Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. And I'd like to show you one of the most important things that we can do as moms in this process of treasuring up our children, and that is to pray the promises of God over our children. So I thought I would show you what I do. I have a journal where I just write out these prayers, so I just plug their names right in, and I pray, pray the word over my kids. So here's an example. Long ago, even before you made the world, you loved Seth and Elise and chose in Christ for them to be holy without fault in your eyes. Your unchanging plan has always been to adopt them into your own family by bringing them to yourself through Jesus Christ. And this gave you great pleasure. Thank you, God, that that has been your unchanging plan from the very beginning of time. So even though this has been a Mother's Day message, I'm sure you can see that there's also a broader application. This is a process that we can use in any relationship, whether it's a relationship between a parent and a child, a child back to a parent, a friend to a friend, a coworker to a coworker. You can bring space, love, and belief and allow God to use your life as a sanctuary for him to do his kingdom work. So I'd like us to just take a minute, maybe close your eyes, and ask the Lord, is there a relationship in your life right now that God is calling you to treasure up? To keep a little more carefully? To bring a little more space? To bring a little more love? A little more belief? To get out of the way? and let God do his work. I'd like to challenge you to offer him your heart today because he is faithful and it will bring him great pleasure to partner with you.
in this kingdom work. Thank you.